It's incredibly important that we remember who we are, what we believe, and what our values are. Sometimes we forget we need a memory aid. One of those memory aids is the secret behind when Hashem said to Moshe, you will not see my face, you will only see my back. Rashi says, that's the knot of the tefillin. In the Aitika Sedevet itself, this week's parasha tells us, as Moshe Abeno Gebetan Bam Ebishten, that Moshe Abeno petitions Hashem to ask him, Har Eni no esk please show me your true glory and presence. And Debishatim Genfer, to which Debishta responds, Loisuchali Roises Ponai Goime, you cannot see my face because nobody can and survive. Instead, Vera Isa es Achoira, you will see my behind, or Fonai Loyerou, but you will not see my face. Rashi comments on these words, that Hashem says, you will see my back on his mefor, she explains what that means is, that Eivish just showed Moshe Rabbeinu the knot at the back of his tefillin. Why is Rashi telling us this? Rashi's objective is to always explain to us the simplest understanding of the words in the Torah. In which case we have to understand, what is difficult for us to understand in the simple reading of the story? Debesha says, you're not going to see my face, you'll see my back. What about this do we not understand? And how does Rashi explain it to us by saying, well, he was actually referring to the tefillin knot. Because you can't say, well, what bothered Rashi is, how can you talk about Debesha's back? It's so disrespectful, it's so inappropriate, it's so incorrect. Because Debesha has no form, so you can't talk about the back. While in the Torah, the reason that that can't be what's bothering Rashi is because in the Torah, there are many descriptions, some of them very physical. We speak about Hashem's outstretched arm, we speak about Hashem's white beard. And we don't find Rashi taking those metaphors and explaining to us what they actually mean. Rashi doesn't explain to us that because you can't really use these expressions regarding the Ebishter, therefore don't take them at face value, nor the Pirish is kach Let's rather explain that just like the back of Hashem is actually the knot of Tvilin, he should have explained what the arm of Hashem is and what the, the beard of Hashem is, etc. The truth is you don't have to look so far, you could look in this same paragraph. Freer state, the Pasuk tells us earlier, Loi Suchal Liroises Ponai, that David just says, You cannot see my face. Rashi does not feel it necessary to explain to us what the metaphoric meaning of David's face is, because obviously Hashem does not have a face. So how come that he's comfortable with? But the back of Hashem he has to explain. Must be that Rashi's job does not include explaining the metaphoric references about Hashem in anthropomorphic terms. So then the question is, how come here when it speaks about Hashem's back, Rashi does have to explain it? Question is even stronger. Let's say that this is what's bothering Rashi. How can you describe Hashem's back? Right? So then how does Rashi answer the question? Instead of explaining what it means to refer to Hashem's back, he says that Hashem showed him the, the knot of his tefillin. 
Kesha shul tefillin is eichadover gashmi. A knot of tefillin is also a physical thing. It actually doesn't help the fundamental question of here. And the physical knot of Tvilin is here only used as a metaphor to describe Abish's back. So, what did we gain from Mazvez to explain to the five year old that Abish's back does not mean a physical back? Because Hashem has no physical form. Instead, it means a Tvilin knot, which is just as physical. It sounds like we've confused the five-year-old. The Adderaba. In fact, it's actually counterproductive. If we do need to find some kind of a metaphor to put the five-year-old's mind at ease, that there is no physical back of Hashem, well, maybe the best way would have been to say, look at a human. A human has a face, the forward-facing part of the human being, and the back of the human being. Because when you look at a person's face, you can see the greatness of the person, the person's abilities, his ability to see, to hear, etc. Whereas if you look at a person from the back, you don't see the greatness of the person. Sometimes you don't even know when you're looking from the back that you're actually looking at a human being. That would be Asach Gringotz of Ashtayim with the Moshe from Kesha Shultvinin. Surely, if Rashi is trying to resolve how we could be talking about Hashem's back, a human back <coughs> would have helped the child a lot more than the knot of tefillin. But it would be the shortest line between the metaphor and what it's supposed to represent because you're using the same words. Face of Hashem, face of a human being helps us understand. Back of Hashem, back of a human being understands it. So why, if Rashi is so perturbed by the fact that we're talking about Hashem's back, is he using what's kind of an abstract way to explain it, the knot of tefillin? And there's something about Rashi's language that we have to analyze. If Rashi is explaining the meaning of the back, he should have only used the word as the heading of this pasuk, of this commentary. Why does he include the word that you'll see? He re-emphasizes it when he says, they Mr. showed Moshe the knot of his tefillin. Surely Rashi is only innovating for us what it means to have Hashem's back. He could have kept it simple. What is the back? The tefillin knot. Why? Showed him the tefillin knot. So the beer and then explanation is it's obviously not that Rashi is uncomfortable with the fact that we're describing Hashem's back. There's got to be something deeper. Before the Ibishta responds to Moshe's request, please let me see your full glory. The Pasuk gives an introduction which is, the Ibishta says, and the aver called Tuvi Alponecha, I will so to speak, bring my whole goodness in front of your face. And I will call out in the name of Hashem before you. And I will show grace or compassion to all of those that I choose to. And then after that, then Hashem says, almost independently, you cannot see my face. So we've got to understand this context. Moshe is asking, I want to see your face. How is Abish's response addressing that? Moshe said, Rashi explains. Rashi explains that what Hashem was telling Moshe is as follows. It's now the appropriate time for you to see actually my manifestation of glory. It's the extent to which I allow you to see. And the reason I'm doing this, says David, is because I want to and I need to to teach you the order of how a person davens. 
I'm going to pass my goodness, so to speak, in front of you on the rock. And I will call out, so to speak, as if I'm petitioning Hashem, so that you will know the words that you should use in your davening in order to petition me. And you will see me, says Hashem to Moshe, so to speak, uh, wearing a talus, wrapped in a talus, and calling out with the 13 attributes of mercy, then you have a can you will then teach the Jewish people to do the same thing to wrap themselves in their talism and to call out with the thirteen attributes of mercy. Now after he gets that description that David gives to Moshe, then he says, and then Hashem says, But you won't be able to see my face. Rashi says, even at the time that I'm exposing myself to you, I will not permit you to see my face. If that's the case, then we can understand David is saying, you won't see my face, you'll only see my back. is not separate from his overall message. It's actually a continuation of David's message. I will show you my goodness. I will show you how to connect with me. That image that Moshe is going to perceive of the Abish, so to speak, wrapped in a talus and reading out words, What's going to kind of conclude or solidify that image is you're going to see my back. Okay, so what's going on over here? That's the case. They were just saying, I'm going to expose and show you an image. So what does it now mean? You're going to see my back. Seeing as the Ebishter is appearing to Moshe and in the guise of, of as if he were a chazan leading the community wrapped in his talus. And when does Moshe get to see the Ebishter, so to speak, once the Ebishter has passed? Which is, so to speak, only the Ebishter's back. So what's the Ebishter saying? You're going to see my greatness, see my glory. Where? You're only seeing the back. If somebody is wrapped in a talus and we're seeing them from the back, the talus actually conceals them. So what's the Ebishter saying? I'm going to wrap myself in a talus like a chazan, and then you're going to see my greatness. Where, what, how greatness? We're going to see the Ebishter screened from us. Let's assume for a moment that talisim were mandated to be produced out of some very valuable, precious material. Similar to the big day kahuna, which had to be these very beautiful, elaborate garments. Then maybe we could have explained us. Then seeing that beauty and regal appearance of the Ebishter wrapped in a talis, maybe that would express the Ebishter's greatness. Because a talus is, had it theoretically been, a very beautiful, precious thing. But that's not the fact. There is no rule about a talus that it has to be made out of expensive materials. In fact, to the contrary. The minig of the Jewish people, which is now mandated, that is mainstream Judaism, as a talus that the chazan gets up with a simple woolen talus. And especially when you contextualize, let's say in the Gemara, that speaks about two people battling over or arguing over a talus. Generally speaking, in many places that our Chazal refer to a talus, they're actually referring to a levush, an ordinary garment slash cloak, not something spectacular, not something radiant, not something regal. So the question is, 
How is the Eivishter showing Moshe his greatness by showing him his cloaked back? If them and Fed Rashi, that's what Rashi is addressing. He's not addressing what does it mean to refer to the Abishad at the back. He's answering how is Abishad revealing himself if all we're seeing is the back with a talus over his head. Answers Rashi. Abishad's lifting the veil. When Rashi said that the Abishad was telling Moshe, I want you to see me wrapped in a talus, it's not only a talus. There's not only a talus. He's wearing tefillin as well at the same time. Even a child knows. There are times the chazan leads the community with only a talus, like on Shabbos and Yom Tov. And during the week with talus and tefillin. Now that we have this imagery of the Abish so to speak, appearing as if he were a chazan wearing a talis and tefillin, now we understand that what out of all of that did Moshe get to see? The knot of the tefillin. Now, how does he get to see the knot of the tefillin? The talis is over the head. On the farmers, Rashi, and that's why Rashi doesn't just say, Achoyrai equals Keshashot tefillin, rather he says, Her Ehu Keshashot tefillin, that the Abish showed him the tefillin knot. Because the image of how the Ebishter presented himself to Moshe was as if he was, so to speak, cloaked in his talus. Well, in that case, the tefillinot is hidden by the talus. So how could Moshe have seen it? Rashi, Rashi says, because the Ebishter made a conscious choice to expose the Kesha Shotvin. And he showed it to him. So to speak, the Ebishter took off the talus over the section that covers the Twin and Knot. And he showed Moshe the Knot. Okay. So now we understand the technicalities of it and the language that Rashi uses. The question is. What is so special about seeing the Abishas Tfilanot, that is the so to speak glory of Hashem? Rashi doesn't have to explain that. A child, even at five years old, knows and understands that from what he's seen. You look at the tefillin and the way they're placed on the head, they resemble a crown, which of course is a symbol of reality, of royalty. That's why. What do we call Yukar? Eilut Tfilin, like the Pasuk says in Megillah. Yukar, the beauty, the, the, the regalness of a person, is the Tfilin. The Tfilin, that's why Rashi points out, that what did the Ebishter metaphorically show Moshe? The knot of the Tfilin. It's not the straps of the Tfilin. Even though the straps of the tefillin extend out of the out of the knot of the tefillin, and maybe they're easier to see from the back because they're longer. Maybe easier to spot than the knot itself. Look at the person next time you're in shul. It's possible for a person to have a large yarmulke on their head that covers the knot of the tefillin. Whereas the straps of the tefillin extend low and you can see them. Why does Rashi emphasize that it's not their straps but it's the kesher? Because the element of tefillin that makes it similar to a crown is the part of the tefillin linked to the knot. Because the purpose of the knot is to keep the tefillin shorosh in place in the position of the crown on a person's head. 
That's what Rashi wanted to explain. That's what he wanted to illustrate. What does it teach us? Let's understand things from a spiritual perspective. Because what Moshe requested and was granted to some extent that I should see your glory and beauty, the very least he's going to see, so to speak, the back. When is this playing out? Rashi tells us. When the Ebishta is giving the impression of being a chazan who is davening. It's the time where the Ebishta is teaching Moshe one of the most powerful tefillahs that we have, the 13 Midasarachamim. So is Azikhanita in study. It's obviously not just a sidebar. The main thing is teaching you this formula that you should use to invoke divine compassion in the most difficult times. And, oh, and by the way, there's also a Kesha Shutfin. No. As by Melan emotion to Mesela Bakashrachim Hot Abishim Gilosan Kfoid is broken with Hina Sakhoi. The fact that during this lesson about how to daven, the Abish is exposing his, so to speak, glory is not accidental. This is a critical part of how we ask Hashem for mercy. In order that the lesson of how to invoke Hashem's compassion should be complete, Moshe, representing the Jewish people, has to see the Ebershah's tefillin. What does that mean? So to understand the significance of the Tvilinat in this whole davening process to be able to invoke divine mercy. So let's understand the Tvilinat that is described if he has an Ethan Vasiroya Oisimi Utov. That Abisha says, You're going to see me like the Chazan who is wrapped in a talus. Reading the Yudgimamidas. And then it moving. Something here doesn't automatically make sense. Surely the main part of the davening is the words. The words that you say when you invoke Hashem's elements of compassion. That's what's going to cause the Ebershah to show us grace and to show us compassion. Why is it important to know that those words will be said while the chazan is wrapped in a talus? Why is wrapped in a talus relevant? So we have to understand what's going on up here. We're talking about compassion to lead to forgiveness, and the reason we need the compassion and the forgiveness must be because we did something that was wrong. What happens when a person does something wrong? The principle of sin. And because the person has sinned, that's why the person is petitioning Hashem and asking mercy that we should be forgiven. The only reason people do our various is because they forget their context, who I am, what I'm about, how life works. Generally speaking, in Jewish spirituality, we say that the concept of forgetfulness is linked to klipa. That's why certain behaviors cause kosher shikha, they cause a person to forget what they're learning. But like we say in the Davening of Yom Kippur, we say when you're close to the Ebersheh, there's no forgetting. What does it mean, forgetting? Let's understand who we are and understand what happens to us when we misbehave. Jews are hardwired to faith in God. We all believe absolutely that the Abisha created every single atom of existence. 
Not once upon a time, but one day Eibush is mechadish b'tuvai bechol yom tamid ma'isa v'reishis. The Eibush recreates every aota of existence at every single moment. Yed der tog. On yet the rega every day and every moment within the day is Hashem Yisbarach Mechadish from Dosnai the Gan Sebria the Eibush completely recreates everything. Miyayim Efsa Muchlot Mamish from absolute nothingness into existence. For the Alter Rebbe is Mamish in Tanya Kemoy Lifnei Sheishes and Eibreishes Mamish as the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya that in the nanosecond before the Eibush recreates the world, it's as if there never was a world. Shaltzach the Shaila. The obvious question is: We believe all of this. When I eat the head. As in the reggae, if we were sensitized to the fact that right now, in this very moment, I am being created by Hashem from scratch, from non-existence. And in a moment from now, I'm going to need that same input from the Ebishter to recreate me again from nothing. It has possible that the Jew who has that consciousness with all of the temptation and hedonism in the world, how is it possible that I'm not going to do what the Abish wants? I know that my entire existence, not just my life, my entire existence is completely contingent on the Abish injecting me with life right now. How do I, in that moment, go against the Abish when a person realizes I exist, the thing that I have, this passion and temptation for only exists in this moment because Abish is making it. And why do you think Abish made it to trip me up? Maybe the person says, well, because I have so many distractions and obstacles and personal foibles that totally get in the way of me serving the Abish. Okay, the person could know with absolute clarity that obstacle, that personality trait, that personal failing is also being created by the Eibushter right now from scratch. As if it never existed. So therefore, logically, it is impossible that anything, whether it is a weakness in my character or whether it is a distraction or temptation in the world, cannot truly get in the way of what the Eibishter wants because the Eibishter is making it right now from fresh. So we can design the MS, how could they be in any way an obstacle to Yiddishkeit? How could something that the Eibishter is making be an interference to what wants. doesn't make any sense to say this item, this personality trait, this temptation, this distraction, this laziness is right now being created by Hashem and yet he's not going to fulfill what the wants. Okay, and if that's the case, how can they ever be a Jewish person who behaves differently to what his rational mind clearly understands should be the case? Then for them, the answer is a waste He knows it. But he forgets in the moment. And we all have this experience. In the heat of the moment, we forget context. We forget perspective. We forget the truth. If we had focused memory at all times, naturally any obstruction to our 
progress, to our connection to Hashem, would dissolve. And we'd fulfill Torah Mitzvah perfectly. Not only Torah Mitzvah, but every action that we did would be directed to Hashem. We would recognize and acknowledge Hashem in every single thing we did. We'd have no inappropriate or distracting thoughts if we remembered, but we forget. That's why the whole context of asking Hashem for compassion has to be in a talis. And not only a talis, but Rashi points out, fill in too. Because both Atalas and Tfilin were given to us as mitzvahs to help keep our memories fresh. You look at your tzitzis, it reminds you what you're supposed to do. Why? As a reminder between your eyes. That's why these are two key components to help a person fix and uproot our various to bring about the Ebishter's divine compassion for us. So talus and tefillin fix forgetfulness, which is detachment from the Ebishter, and therefore, obviously, elicit the Ebishter's compassion to us. Within tefillin gufa, the, the knot spe- plays a special role. Now we understand why Rashi tells us that not only did the Ebishter show Moshe his, so to speak, tefillin, but the knot, why that is so integral to this process of how we elicit Hashem's compassion. In this week's parish, tells us that Rabbi used to tie knots so they would not forget the Torah thoughts that they learned. In the other more contemporary works that say this is the Torah's source, so then, was people say, as machen a knipple is an aitzet nitz vergessen azach was me will vergedenken. That if you make up like a little pinch or a little uh, twist in a piece of material or whatever it is, it will help you not to forget what you've learned. What's it got to do with anything? What's the connection between a knot and memory? So again, the Alter Rebbe in Tanya in a Gersa Chuba tells us. In the Pirmish Raimi Chazal, commenting on what the Gemara says, that if a person did an Averichasim, what should the person do in order to sustain and survive spiritually and, of course, physically? The person should double their efforts. So if they were used to learning a single page of Torah on a daily basis, they should double it, etc. Says the Al-Tereba, why? Why do you double? It's like if you have a rope that snaps, and now you have to tie it at the point where it snapped. Turns out that the place that was the weakest part of the rope is now the strongest part, because that's where the knot is. So what is a knot in spiritual terms? It represents where we rebind ourselves to something meaningful and important and spiritual with extra strength. Bizas the tsunuf point is in an eifan from kofful umechupal to the point that we now have a doubled and redoubled strength in a place that was previously weakness. On the far that's why it is the means to atone or fix averus. Because when we really tie ourselves hard, tightly to our values, to our Torah, 
in an oifah from Kesher, then we're so bound we can't forget, we don't lose sight, and we don't do the wrong things. So the spiritual knot, which the Ebesheh is showing Moshe Rabbeinu, the knot of his tefillin, which has the power to undermine the forces of Kripa that would rip us away from Hashem. That translates and evolves into something meaning, uh, tangible, physical. If you make your little knot or your pinch or your twist, it's going to help you not to forget things because that's how it works spiritually, so that's how it works in the physical world too. And that closes the circle for us why the knot of tefillin that the Ebesha shows to Moshe is so integral to this process of how you ask Hashem for compassion. When the Ebeshter is teaching Moshe the procedures that you follow in order to be able to get Rachamim to cleanse So what does the Ebeshter show Moshe? A symbol of what the process is in order to fix Averis. A very firm connection, the knot of tefillin, the kedusha, the knot of connection, the connection to holiness, and binding ourselves to the absolute clarity that every single thing, not only ourselves, but every component of our lives, is being regenerated by the Ebeshev from scratch at every moment. So if we take those steps, to prevent ourselves from forgetting what we should always be focused on. By ensuring that we are totally and consistently conscious of things of holiness and Kedusha, that will speed up the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Ebesha will be revealed to the extent that the human flesh is able, the eyes, physical human eyes, are able to see Hashem's word we won't need to remember that this is the truth. Because we'll see it clearly. We'll see the regeneration of existence at every moment. From literal nothingness. And that will happen with the coming of Mashiach. May you redeem and take us upright to Eretz Yisrael immediately.